My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to HR Sound Off. Today, 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 I have a guest who has played a very integral part in my life as I've developed my career as a professional. She is no stranger to the HR space, to the learning and development space, organizational development. She's no stranger to that. Um, I first met Marjorie Wharton. Oh my goodness, Marjorie. Yeah. We don't we, we never say the number. Of we years. never say it's the number. It's yes. been a few. It's been a few. <laughs> it's definitely been a few. But what always stood out to me for for with Marjorie is her passion for seeing people develop themselves and grow. Her passion for seeing organizations be the best that they can be. But she also had a very huge love for her grandmother that I admired so much about her. And just the way she had that sense of family and how it came to and how she talked about her grandmother. And being a grandmother child, I felt that immensely as well. And we had that connection. So today, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome to the sound off sound booth, Marjorie Wharton. Marjorie, how are you doing? I am fine, thank you. And thank you very much, Julie, for that warm welcome. You really have no idea when you're interacting with people what people remember about you. Because I really, the mention about the grandmother, I really did not, would not have thought you even remembered that. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a grandmother's child, girl. I, yeah, know yeah, you I, are. I was raised by my grandparents. That's so yeah. cool that you remembered that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And thank you for those kind words. You are right. I, I have, we have known each other for a while. I, I, I have been in personal development, leadership development, organization development, and so on for quite a number of years. Yeah. And I am always excited. Um, at the prospect of working with people, especially when they're interested and, and committed to helping themselves grow and develop. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I, I know this in, in my years of working with you and watching you teach and coach other people how to, you know, create better organizations and also how to develop themselves. Like, I have so much respect for you, Marjorie. You have no idea. And, you know, there, there you. is that saying about, you know, when you think about, it's not how, it's always about how you make people feel. And I always had this sense of, at the time where we, where we worked, it was a predominantly female organization. We mm-hmm. had female leadership, right yeah. to the organization. Um, and I think the only males we had at that time were in finance. Yes. And yes. our, um, our messenger yeah. Outside yeah. of that, the organization was, was predominantly female. And mm. I always, there was something about being in that space as a woman and as a black woman, trying to figure out life, because I was very young at that time, and trying to figure out life and figure out who I want to be and what I want to be and where I wanted to go. And there was something about watching all of you grow in your roles and just watching you on a day-to-day basis do your stuff that I always felt like, you know, this is, this is what I want to do when I grow up, when I figure out life, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. I want to be in this space, some way, somehow making a contribution and making an impact. So I today personally, thank you so much for being you, being who you are and just, you know, being a legend in your own right, and I, I appreciate you. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, definitely, you're almost blowing my mind. Speechless, right? Certainly, yes, it's certainly those very kind words. Um, I will start by saying uh, I absolutely agree with you. Our organization, having been at that time very predominantly female, with female yeah. leadership managers and so on, it definitely was a space that, was it was conducive to learning and growth there was a lot of focus a lot of of commitment to helping yourself um, 
develop as a leader, grow as an individual, be able to contribute as a human being. And I suppose that that had a, a profound impact on my interest in people's development, my interest in my own development. And it really kindled my love for working with others to help them grow and develop so that they too can achieve that. And I, I would imagine that the others who were leading our organization, our organizational leadership, to hear you say those kind words and to really look at how you've taken your career over the years and how you have grown and what you have done over the years mm-hmm. would definitely be very pleased. Because I remember um, our CEO at the time always believed in working to help young women grow, find their path, and, and help them know who they want to be when they grow yeah. up. Yeah, One of her yeah. favorite things was always to say, well, what is your vision for yourself? Yeah. And she was very upset and annoyed if, if um, we didn't have an answer for that question. Exactly. So you always had, yeah, you always had to have an idea of where you wanted to go, who you wanted to be, and how you wanted to contribute. So yeah. fantastic, Julie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. So there were a lot of things I want to talk to you about. And I know... Okay. Um, for me, understanding being in the HR space, and I know mm-hmm. um, you working with HR professionals and, you know, helping us to develop and grow as we go about our way. And a couple of things I wanted to touch on today, first of all, was about performance management. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is one of those things that organizations just feel like is a tick the box exercise. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those um, things for me that I find is a big pet peeve in HR. Like, I really want people to take performance management seriously. But in your in your mind, being in the space that you are in, how would you define performance management? And why would you say it is beneficial for organizations and individuals in organizations to take performance management seriously? Very good question, I will say. And um, one of the things I will start off by saying that in a lot of organizations, I suppose like so many other things that relate to how people are able to produce, the first thing a lot of people in organizations assume is that performance management has only to do with HR. Yeah. And so the big assumption is that if you're talking about an employee's performance, if you're talking about their ability to be productive, if you're talking about the mindset and what really goes in to contribute to that high level of performance, then they believe that as managers in the organization, it's not their responsibility, but it really all is about HR. HR needs to handle it. And they just tell HR they have a problem and leave it there. But for me, when I'm thinking about performance management, and particularly if I'm working with leaders to help them develop, I'm asking them to consider what does it take to get high levels of performance from their team, Mm -hmm. from those who report to them. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to think about the productivity in an organization, if you're going to talk about your um, team's ability to help you achieve the vision that you have for your department, for mm-hmm. your section, or for your organization, you want to be able to consider what does it take for them to perform at a high level. Yeah. And so in there, it means that you have to understand your people. You have to know what they want. To achieve. You have to know ideally who they want to be when they grow up. Yeah. You have to understand what is going to influence them or motivate them mm-hmm. in, in order for them to uh, be able to perform at the level that you want them to. Mm-hmm. And that's the first part. And then the second part is creating that enabling environment. Yeah. Because you can have an individual who's motivated and excited and they want to be engaged and they want to work hard and all of those things. But if they don't have an environment that allows them to perform at the high level, and if every time they come up with a new idea, somebody's shooting it down, or if they want to find a new way of doing something that could be more efficient that they are never allowed to try, then that means that the environment is not going to allow them to perform at the level that they want to. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you if you think of, of leadership, generally, as you know, leadership is defined as someone having a vision and then motivating or influencing others to help them accomplish it. Right. And the reason why I, I always say to people that performance matters is because if you are not able to get your staff engaged, if you're not able to get your staff to buy in and see themselves working at a high level in order to make that vision happen, then you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to achieve that vision the way that you no. want to. And so that's why it matters in organization. Absolutely. You mm-hmm. made so many very interesting points there. And I just want to touch on one of them in particular. 
Mm -hmm. you were talking about the importance of creating the environment for the employee to flourish and and grow. And with that comes trying to understand what the employee needs in order for them to develop and grow. For persons in leadership, whether they're new to leadership, whether they're old to leadership or a bit in between, what are some of the things that they can do to engage their employee in that conversation in terms of finding out what do they want, what do they want to be when they grow up, where do they want to go? Yeah. And I'll start by saying that oftentimes uh, people think that it's just as simple as asking someone, well, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And while that's an important part of it, often you have people who don't really know the answer to that. And so the, the discussion starts, I would suggest, mm-hmm. the discussion <laughs> always starts, yes, with saying to that person that you are interested in them, you care about them, you want to see their growth and development happen. Right. Because it, it's important that your team sees you as someone who is invested in their own success. Right. Once that starts, then the conversation from there flows a lot more easily. Easier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because then when as someone who is working with an individual and who's interested in their development, their growth and their success, it means that you, you care enough to give them positive feedback and you care enough to give them feedback that when they've done something that's not the best Mm -hmm. and you give them feedback that is intended to encourage them to grow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people often think if I'm going to be a good leader that I always have to be nice. And if I'm not being nice, then I'm not a good leader. And those, right. that's not no. not true at all. At all. Mm-hmm. Right. So that willingness and commitment to giving an individual standards that they need to perform to, mm-hmm. standards that they, they should see as import, an important part of their, their process in mm-hmm. doing any kind of job, and mm-hmm. then being prepared to give them feedback to say when they've done a good job or give them feedback to say when there's room for improvement, mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. also a part of creating that enabling environment. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Then once you've had, you started to have that conversation where you are, are asking people or letting them know that you care about them and you right. setting those, you set those standards and mm-hmm. you are then asking those individuals, holding those individuals accountable for those standards, mm-hmm. you want them to be able to ha- notice what they're good at, mm-hmm. point out to them what they're good at. Yeah. You may think that it's easy for an individual to see what they're good at, but a lot of people don't really no, see they themselves. Don't. Most they people don't. don't see themselves clearly. No, no. Yeah. I've had employees working with me that I've had to point out to them that they may be good at something. They don't even think about it. They take mm-hmm. it for granted. They, they dismiss it as useless and move on to, mm-hmm. to something else. Yeah. Whereas they may be a star in another area. So as mm-hmm. a leader or manager, you want to notice when that is happening. You want to help the person to see it and you Mm -hmm. want to help them to grow their skills in that area. Mm -hmm. There may be areas where the individual is not performing well that you would also want to point that out to them and help them where possible to create improvement in that area. Right. You want to give them opportunities where they can stretch beyond their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And you want to make it a space where it's okay for a person to ask questions, try something, get it wrong and Mm -hmm. learn from it absolutely and of of course i know that depends on your environment because Mm -hmm. as i always say to people you know if you're in an investment company and you have somebody uh, who wants to go off and try investing in something and it turns out it's illegal Mm -hmm. that's not the same as something with lower risk so it depends on the risk but wherever possible you want to create that kind of environment Environment, because that's how people learn and grow you definitely. And I, I, yeah. I am a huge advocate for creating such psychological safety. I think too many times yes. we, we sit in organizations and we see people afraid to approach their managers because, you know, they, they know they're going to get shot down, as you said before, or they just know they can't have those kind of conversations with their manager. Um, and it really does put people in a very precarious position. But I think as a leader, if you're able to create that psychological safety from the jump, um, as you deal with your teams, then it makes it a lot easier for people to feel comfortable to come and have those conversations about developing and and growing themselves as well. 
Yeah. And that's an important part of, of performance and yeah. performance management. Mm -hmm. Because if as a leader or manager, you are not creating a space where your team can come to you and ask you questions, and if they're constantly afraid of the results, if they get something wrong, then they're not going to be able to get to the stage that they're performing at a high level. Exactly. They will constantly do just what is safe, Mm -hmm. And you will constantly find that they don't want to go off and take decisions on their own because nope. they always want to come back to you to mm -hmm. check that you're okay with it before they perform. Mm -hmm. So if you find that right now as a manager or leader, you're in a situation where people never take decisions unless you sign off on it, yep. it says that you need to change the way you're leading a manager. Yes. It's take all on you. Take a yeah. step back and, and think about your leadership style. You know, yeah. it's so funny because a lot of managers don't do that. They think the problem is the person. Yeah. And you, so many times I hear managers complain about people in their team and they go, oh, I can't get this person to do anything on their own. I f always feel like I got to be holding their hand. Mm -hmm. Take a step back for a minute and think yeah. about how you are leading your team and what is causing that behavior. Um, I really think that that is, is crucial. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> Glad to, because that is a big one. Just as you've said, yes. there, there are a lot of people, I think, who are not realizing that as a leader in the team, you are setting the tone for us mm -hmm. on the team. And so if you find that you have people who are reluctant to take decisions, then it means that you are doing something. Now, it may also be true that they brought that behavior from their previous team leader and they brought mm -hmm. it to you. But then it's up to you as the one they're reporting to now to put in the effort to try and create that space so yeah. that that behavior changes. Yeah. Otherwise, you are forever going to have to be the one always reviewing, signing off, and mm -hmm. agreeing the decision, and you can never let it go move forward and grow yourself. So let me ask you this. What are some of the questions then leaders need to ask their people in order to get them to that space where they feel comfortable with making those decisions on their own. Instead of telling, what are, mm -hmm. what are we asking? I think the first question, and I'll tell you this from uh, experience, my own experience in mm -hmm. leadership position. I remember once having a team member who would come to me and ask me what to do in a specific situation. Mm -hmm. And I would, at first I would give her a response. And, you know, as I see that she's comfortable, then I would give her the response and explain why I'm giving the response. Mm -hmm. But then eventually it gets to the stage where she comes to me and the question I ask is, well, what, what were you thinking was a good idea? Mm -hmm. And she rattles off the response. I said, you know, that makes sense. Off you go. Go ahead yeah. and do that. That sounds go fine. With that. Mm -hmm. Because I think oftentimes we assume that for everybody, delegation can occur in the same way. And that's not true. No. So... For some, for delegation, you can just say to them, go do A and B, and they will go do it and will not come back and check in with you. Once mm -hmm. you've set the standards, they know how far to go. And um, if you ask them to check in, they come back, but they do everything else on their own. Right. But then there are some individuals, because of their past experience or even because of their life experience, mm -hmm. they're the kinds of people who want to be able to make sure that they're not going down the wrong path. And so you want to work with them, mm -hmm. get them to the point where you could just kind of throw things at them and, and let them run with it. Yeah. So that's where that um, first, it's like you are guiding them and right. then eventually you get to the stage where you're having the conversation mm -hmm. and then you get to the stage where you're asking them for their opinion and that eventually gets you to the stage where they can go off and do it on their own. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest question that you always want to be able to ask your team is what, what were they thinking or what yeah. do you think would be a good idea to get mm -hmm. their input Mm -hmm. And it helps them to see then that uh, you value their idea and yes. to let them know that their thinking is not necessarily flawed. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I think that that's, that's great advice. And I find um, there was something I was thinking of as you were saying it. And you yeah. know what happens? Like sometimes your thoughts are there and then they go I know. Yeah. through the window. is like the worst thing ever, right? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But as you were talking there, I was particularly thinking about, you know, the importance of, as we talked about before, psychological safety, because that puts us on the path to creating that. But yeah. those questions that we're now looking to ask now puts us in a coaching space, which mm. puts us in a leadership space. 
as mm. opposed to managing people where we're telling people what to do. Now we're really moving towards being leaders and good leaders because we're asking questions to get our people to think. And I, I like, uh-huh. I was going to say, I like that you said that because I think a lot of people seem to see coaching as telling the other person what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I have had situations where I've had to say to managers that if you're sitting there and you're the one doing all the talking in the coaching conversation with your employee, you're not doing it the right way. No. Because it really is an opportunity for you to help them change their thinking or mm-hmm. explore their own ideas so it yeah. has to be a lot of a questioning yeah. glad that you said that because <laughs> it's 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 100 true mm-hmm. and the other thing too is that when you think about employees and employee engagement this is mm-hmm. how we engage employees this is by asking them questions when an employee comes to an organization they come all excited and happy they have all these high hopes of developing themselves or growing they see something about the organization that says yes I want to work with you and then they get into the organization and then they get into spaces where they feel stagnant like they're not they can't grow they can't even if you have a role or you're in a role or you're in an organization that is flat if you Mm -hmm. take on the role in leadership as a coach your people can still grow yeah even in the smallest of ways right And I think that people need to understand that we we need to step out of this stage of, it's just like HR. So like, you know, in the beginning stages, we were personnel management. We were all about the paperwork because we were close to the CEO and we did all of their paperwork. It was like a a highfalutin secretary. Um, And our role has, has developed and morphed into so many things right now in, in 2020 we are so much more than just paper pushers and policy mm-hmm. police. And for manage for management, um, we need to realize that that too has morphed into leadership, which then has morphed the way it has because it has become more about coaching than it is about managing people and telling people what to do. Yeah. I, I would challenge you a little bit though, okay. there, Julie, to say that is what it should be. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, a lot of the challenge we have is that while that is what it should be, there are still a lot of people who are performing the old way. Yes. And so there are a lot of managers still who think that for them to be effective in their role as manager, they have to be telling the employee what to do. They have mm-hmm. to be watching them as they work. They have to eyeball them, come in and see them getting at a specific time and leave at a specific time. And so we've been seeing that now as we've gone into this working remotely issue, yeah. that that management style cannot work. Cannot and work. suddenly they start to see the problem. Mm-hmm. But it was always a problem before. It was just that they were didn't realize that it wasn't yeah. working for them. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. But I do agree with the part where you say that management has to change and it yeah. has to be more about leadership. It really and I, I think, and I think a, a big part of, of where we need to get to, and I, I use this because I know this is an old theory and I'm making the point mm-hmm. that it's been probably at least uh, 60 or 70 years that this theory has the, the theory of uh, theory X and theory Y. Right. Mm-hmm. Seeing employees as individuals who don't want to work. Right. And seeing management as the one who has to force them to work. Mm-hmm. I remember putting that up recently in a training mm. program, like maybe a year or two ago, and somebody says to me, can you believe it? It's 50 years old and it's still going up. I said, yes. And you know why I'm putting it up? Because one day I looked around and realized that employee, employers and managers are still viewing their team the same way. Same way. Yeah. I cannot believe it. Mm-hmm. And the problem is nobody raises to low expectations. So if we as managers and leaders constantly believe that our employees do not want to work and you have to push them and force them to work, Mm -hmm. then it means that we are not helping them to grow and we are not encouraging them to grow in that way. And that's how you lose the employee engagement, as you say. People come in excited, expecting to have an opportunity to try things and stretch Mm -hmm. their minds and Mm -hmm. learn new things. And when they get there, they're constantly being met with resistance and 
you can't do that. And you weren't here at, at, until 8.31 mm-hmm. and you left at 4.29. <laughs> and, and now that it's <sighs> online, I checked and you weren't logged in until 10. Why weren't you on at 10 and you mm-hmm. weren't there and you didn't and all of that and not focusing on what is most important, which is the yeah. output and the performance. Mm. Mm. Now it's, it's Sunday afternoon and you've just taken mm. me to church. Oh, okay, well. Amen. But that's what I was going to say. Amen. (laughs) Because, because, so I feel like I'm in a constant battle, especially in my space, helping people in leadership to appreciate. Why are we at this stage measuring a butt in a seat versus output? I could sit in my seat all day and surf the net. I could yeah. buy stuff from Amazon. I could be doing Sudoku. Okay. I could be talking to my family on Skype or whatever all day at my desk all day. And you make the assumption I am being productive. However, I could be at my desk 30 minutes, come in 30 minutes later than everybody else, leave an hour earlier than everybody else, but I've already achieved all of my targets for the quarter or whenever yeah. it is that you are reviewing my performance. So what, what is it going to take, Marjorie, for mm-hmm. us to get people to the stage where they recognize the importance, before I lose here, of managing productivity and not a bum in a seat? We need to get away from this. How are we going to deal with this? Well, I'll tell you one of the things that I have to do, especially if I'm doing training or I'm doing coaching with leaders, I have to point out to them first the flaw in their their logic. Mm -hmm. So just as you've said it there, there are times when you have to say that to individuals, that what you are doing is not working and here's why. This is what you need to do instead. Mm -hmm. Go test this and see what happens. So I've had clients that I've worked with in coaching people leading organizations and they're complaining about the behavior of the individual. They're complaining about um, if, if the person doesn't perhaps doesn't respond right away to something or they're not there when they're looking for them or they're mm-hmm. leaving early every day. But one, sometimes the manager is not going and having a conversation with the person to find out why. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to poor engagement with the employee because the employee yeah. feels that you don't care. Exactly. Because you don't know what's going on in their personal life. You're just holding them accountable to being there at 830 and leaving at 430. Yeah. And when, and they always say this all the time that they you never notice when they come in early and they leave late. Yeah. You only notice when they're when not they, there. Exactly. When they do the reverse. Right. Which probably in a 260 work year, yeah. um, you are there maybe 200 times out of yeah. this 260 on time doing yeah. what you're supposed to be doing. but And even if they see it, they don't say it, say. but they talk about the, ex- the yeah. time that you're not. Yeah. yeah. And so a, a huge <laughs> shift in and, mindset is necessary and, here. And what it does, then it upsets the employee and it yes. impacts negatively on that uh, ability to get employees to perform at a high level. Yes. Because you feel that you want to give your soul, you want to give your heart, but nobody's mm-hmm. appreciating it. So then no. the employee says, well, why bother? Why do I have to give the extra effort? Exactly. So if you could point out to an individual, and I've had to do that with some leaders, if you could point out to, the fact, point out to them the fact that the individual gets their work done, mm-hmm. they are meeting their targets, they're meeting their objectives, then you don't need to watch them work. You don't need to watch them go through the process. No. Once you can help them get there, I think that 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 helps with the conversation. Yeah. I will also say, because I remember in our, our prep discussions, we, we uh-huh. talked a little bit about the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Yes. And the fact that people have different personality preferences. Mm-hmm. And so I, with my personality preference and behavioral preference, I may respond differently in a situation than the person reporting to me. Yeah. So as a leader, if I am expecting that when I give a task to a person, they're going to start working on it on day one and work on it every minute of every day that they are at work from then until when it's due, Mm -hmm. because that's what I would do. 
when I walk by and I see the employee perhaps working on another project or they're standing up by the coffee machine on a break <laughs> or they, they, they're now strolling back in from lunch when I am of the opinion, if it were me, I would have been slaving over it at my desk <laughs> until late hours in the night. Then as a leader, I might get upset mm-hmm. because that person is not behaving the way I would behave. Yes. And it's important to note mm-hmm. that that's, that doesn't matter. What matters is the outcome. Mm-hmm. You hold, you set the standard, you hold the person accountable to the standard. You may that's even it. get them to check in with you at a specific point in time. Mm-hmm. But this watching how they were, all you do is frustrate yourself. Exactly. <laughs> into oblivion, into baldness, into overeating, into stress, all kind of things. Yes. And then you, you, you're there, you're so upset. And, so, and the employee doesn't understand why you're upset because you're not no. getting to that. <laughs> so they may stay up two days straight and work on it and get exactly. it finished. And they hand it into you with the same level of high quality that you expected. Yes. And you were sweating and... and and there you've pulled out half your hair, you're going gray, you're, you're gaining weight from eating so stressed out. But the person's <laughs> like, I don't understand what the problem is. What's the problem? <laughs> and, and I think that this segues into our, our other part of our discussion in terms of understanding personality, yeah. personality types. Like yeah. that is so key to understanding how your team works. And I, I cannot emphasize enough especially to persons in leadership role, why it is important to understand the personality types of your team. Yeah. So that you can be successful and you can have a great team dynamic and your team can thrive. It yeah. is important to understand who your people are. Yeah. When you see me approaching a team and I, I make sure I tell people up front and I always ask the question like, what are, what are our personality styles like in our team? What are the team dynamics that are, are at play here? Um, especially if I'm working with leadership, I need to understand who my, who my key stakeholders are. The mm-hmm. first thing I need to understand is their personality types. And I think as HR professionals, um, I don't think a lot of us do it enough. Um, we just expect to go in, hit the ground running. But for me, I need to understand everything. So yeah. I want to know who my leadership is, who they are, what they stand for, what a work day is like for them, um, how they thrive, what they don't like, what they do like. Those things are very important in order to have a successful team dynamic from the top of the organization right down. And if we don't get those things right, then we're always going to be set with a recipe for disaster because we didn't try to understand the personality type. I am an introvert. I like to work close to deadlines, but I get stuff done. I am Mm -hmm. effective and I'm as effective as they come. I'm as diligent as they come, but my work ethic is different to to somebody who like we described earlier. So, you know, I'm not killing myself over stuff, but I get (laughs) stuff done and I'm effective in how I do it. And I don't like people telling me how to do it. Yeah. That, took me some time to understand and appreciate about myself. Yeah. So as we yeah, talk, and team dynamics, tell me well, what, what yeah. leadership needs to be doing differently. Yeah. And when it comes to personality, a big part of what leadership needs to understand is that the way they behave is not the standard for good behavior. And what do I mean when I'm saying that? Whether we realize it or not, we tend to judge other people's performance against our own. And so leaders in a team often assume if they're the kind of people who are gregarious and friendly, then others must be gregarious and friendly. And if they're not, they are, they're not perhaps going to achieve as much as they have. Mm-hmm. They need to, they also sometimes have the perception that if people aren't good with details or there's also the idea that if you don't think of the future or dream of the future, can't see the future clearly, well then how are you going to plan? Mm-hmm. And if you're not good with people or if you're too soft with people or the one that we talked about just now, if you, you like to plan or if you like to adapt to whatever comes mm-hmm. and what happens is most people if they're not aware they judge other people by whatever their own preferences are yeah and so then you filter people's behavior through that 
and you then hold people accountable to a standard that isn't really necessary in order for them to perform well. Mm-hmm. For years, we've been talking about in management the fact that what you want to hold people accountable for is the outcome, yeah. not just the process. Mm-hmm. So if an individual on their way to getting to that outcome does not necessarily work the same way you do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. they don't, they're not as friendly and gregarious and they're not talking with a million people. If you send them somewhere where they have to interact, they interact and then they come back. And they finish and they're back to sitting at their desk and they're they're getting their energy from being by themselves. Then as a leader, you want to be aware of that. Yeah. So in addition to knowing your own preferences, you want to know the differences that exist. If possible, Mm -hmm. definitely go through the process of identifying your team's personality preferences. But if you don't have an opportunity to do that, at least become aware enough so that you can have an idea of what Mm -hmm. the different preferences are Mm -hmm. and be aware that in your team, you're likely to have people who are different than you. Yeah. And you want to value those differences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it it takes me back to Star Wars. Mm -hmm. The clone clone war. All those soldiers in white looking the same, same. You can't distinguish one from the other and that was the pre- their preference i mean yes it's fictional but that was the preference you can't make a distinguish between who outperforms who or who outshines who because they all look the same yeah. in an organization we do not have that luxury to you know have people that all look the same and while we may want that what we should really think about is well what are my weaknesses and what do i need other people to bring to the table to help me to shine through and me to help them to shine through because yeah. then if you're bringing all of those differences to the table, then you're going to have a better outlook on the team. You're going to have a more well-rounded team as opposed to you're going to get the same people giving you the same thing. You don't want yeah. that. You want someone who can pick up on where you fall short so that that helps you overall to have a, a well-thriving team. And I think that um, this is one of the things that we really need to aim to help leadership to understand. Not the samey, samey, but recognize where your gaps are. You will work on developing yourself to close those gaps. But in the meantime, as you work with your team, why not get people who have those things that you need so you can learn from them and they can learn from you and everybody is growing and developing together. Yeah, that reminds me of the old saying, you know, they they say if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to be in a different room. Different, different, and, and unfortunately, sometimes you have situations where managers and leaders don't want to have people on their team that may be, quote unquote, smarter than they are. Now, it may be that the people who are, quote unquote, smarter than you are may not be smart in everything, yeah. but they may know one area better than you do. And that's okay. And, and you don't want to then feel so uncomfortable as a leader that you worry that that person's showing you up. But instead, mm-hmm. you want to get to the point where you can manage that effectively mm-hmm. and help that person in the areas that they may not be as strong and help exactly. them to grow. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, often we are, we have a lot of leaders who worry about the fact that that person may be coming after their job. Mm-hmm. And they worry about that person getting too close. But that's an important part of leadership. You have to be able to train somebody who can replace you when an opportunity comes along. Exactly. Yeah. Because I have a colleague right now who's who's coaching, who has um, someone that she is coaching. And Mm -hmm. I've always told people this. You have to prepare someone who can adequately step into your role. Otherwise, your manager is not going to allow you to move out of that Exactly. If they cannot replace you, won't you won't develop, and do yeah. you want to develop and grow? Because exactly. if you want to develop and grow, in order for that to happen, you've got to have someone to step into your shoes so that you can step up. Absolutely. The next thing. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people don't realize that. So as as you ask about what are some of the the things that help that the leader need to be doing with their team to help them to function effectively, I think that's one as well. Mm-hmm. In addition to all the others of knowing your personality, the personality of your team members and so on, and mm-hmm. knowing what it's going, what they're excited about and what they're passionate about, mm-hmm. you also have to be, be prepared or um, be preparing someone or maybe more than one 
who can adequately do your job yeah. if you get an opportunity to move on mm-hmm. and do something else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I am so enjoying this conversation. Thank you so much. So tell me about Breakthrough Performance Coaching. So yeah. this is your, your company. Yeah. You've talk, I, as we've been engaging in this conversation, you've been tell, talking to us a bit about your clients, coaching, this is what you do. So your, your company is called Breakthrough Performance Coaching. Yes, ma'am. Tell us a little bit about what you do, how you help persons to become better leaders, um, and how you help organizations because you're, you're, you don't just help individuals, but you also help businesses as well. So tell us yeah. about how you do that. What is Breakthrough Performance Coaching, and how do yeah. you do what you do? Yeah. So as you have said, yes, Breakthrough Performance Coaching is my my business. Uh, for years, I've been working as part of the, the team at the uh, university, the business school, the Sajikor Kaifield School of Business. Mm-hmm. And I've been a trainer and a coach for years and a facilitator. Yeah. So yes, what I do with <laughs> what I do with Breakthrough Performance Coaching is really extending that and particularly taking that coaching methodology and applying it to other things. Because as we said, coaching methodology has a lot to do with with, um, not going in assuming that you know the answer or that you want to tell people the answer, but Mm -hmm. instead you use a questioning methodology to arrive at a better circumstance. And so I utilize that methodology when I'm working with individuals and when I'm working with organizations. Mm-hmm. With individuals, it, it's usually if they are looking to make changes in their career, if they're right. looking to improve in their personal lives, or if they are getting to the stage that they want to consider moving into a business venture. With organizations, it may be that they want to position themselves differently, or you have individuals leading an organization who want to develop their skills as le- as a leader in that organization. Mm-hmm. And so what I have found working with them is that it really is about getting people to transition from where they are to where they want to be. And yeah. so that's, that's my, I actually adopted that as my new tagline, okay. that I, I work with people to help them transition from where they are to where they want to be. Because most people have a vision in their heads. Yeah. Kind of get stuck when they don't like the options that are available to them. Mm -hmm. And what I work to do is to help them consider the best path to get to where they want to be. Right. Yeah. Awesome. And obviously you love what you do. I do. I'm so lucky. (laughs) I, I have been very fortunate that I have had the opportunity, I think, to work in a field that I've loved for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it, there's nothing better for me. There is nothing better than when I walk into a room and I have a group of people or I'm working with an individual or even just two people and I share information with them and they get excited at the prospect of learning and they can start to think about how they can use it in their lives. Yeah. And they get that aha moment and mm-hmm. I kind of go sit there and I'm thinking to myself, yep, yep. this is why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when when people are able to actually put it into practice and yeah. make the change so I've, I've had um i remember a client i was working with she wanted to change her how she was interacting with her family mm-hmm. because she was busy always doing things with other people and she didn't feel like she was spending enough time at home okay and then eventually she admitted that's because she considered home boring right so wow. we had to work we had to work to change her mindset yeah. what it would take uh-huh. <laughs> to, to get home not be boring okay and so, <laughs> and so when she got to the stage where she could talk about the fact that you know her husband is now doing this or she did this with the children and mm-hmm. it was like whoa I'm like okay yeah yes this is what I do what this is why I do what I do <laughs> why you do what you do yeah. Yeah. wow and so as you continue to develop your, your business, mm-hmm. where do you see this, this going with you, for you? Yeah. Well, I think that this, this is something that I, I would do, like to do on a larger scale mm-hmm. because it, it's fine to be able to do individuals here and there, but I do recognize that particularly in the Caribbean, we are still developing the coaching culture. Yeah. And there's still a lot of people who 
don't understand how to work with a coach. Yeah. And so when they consider, they're like, well, I don't have that kind of time. You know, you tell mm -hmm. me I have to come and talk to you twice a month for three months. I don't mm -hmm. have that kind of time. Or twice yeah. a month for six months. No, uh -huh. I want to know now. Can you just tell me what to do? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so because of that, I, I, I want to get to the stage, I think, where I'm, I'm sharing information in different ways. And yeah. where perhaps people can maybe help themselves mm -hmm. a lot more. Mm -hmm. because I think, and so my plan is to kind of write out the process that I use to help right. people have that breakthrough performance mm -hmm. and get it to a point where perhaps they can just go online, they can sign up, you know, mm -hmm. they, they may, they follow the process, they kind of check in when they want to every yes. now and again, but they don't feel bogged up by down. having to do it yes. twice a week. Because right now with my sessions, I tell people, I, I finally got it to, we, we'll meet every three weeks, once right. every three weeks. Because, okay. you know, they were missing the once every two weeks. Uh, uh, but if I do once every week, they still don't do what they're supposed to do between sessions. So uh -huh. I found people just need me time. Some people yeah. stick with it and some people don't. They get uh -huh. to a certain point. They say, okay, I got this piece. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to run out. Right. So if it's a written process they can follow, they have that kind of flexibility. Okay, yeah. So I think that's where I want to go. And then eventually, you know, when I sit there and I think to myself, <laughs> I think, I'd like to be like, um, I'd like to be like Tony Robbins. Mm. So I want to have like a really massive workshop where I can right. bring together people who want to develop their leadership skills mm -hmm. and just put them through an intensive thing for five days and like yeah. a variety of coaches. And, you know, you follow the stream that, that caters most to your needs and right. you meet with your coach throughout the week. And, and yeah. at the end of it, you have these massive breakthroughs. And uh -huh. then I'm there. Of course, I'm worked out for like three weeks after. But, well, you know, at the end of it, I'm worth like, it. Whoa, this was yes. so cool. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So those oh. are my, my big dreams. <laughs> uh, listen to me. If you dream dream big, aim high. There's nothing that you can't achieve. And trust me, whenever it's happening, I want to be there. I want to be a part of that. I support that 100%. Absolutely. We get you up in there, Julie. You're going to be one of those people up there cheering people on, coaching yeah. people. I can picture you doing it all like now. And I can <laughs> see those people rallying around you and totally enjoying that. You know, it's so funny. I really am loving, I'm loving my journey as a coach. Yeah. I'm just seeing people develop themselves and, and grow. Like if I knew, like I knew HR was segueing me to something else yeah. and knowing that I've passed through HR and I'm still sitting and existing in HR, but being able to help HR professionals, yeah. HR leadership develop themselves, like is powerful for me because it's, combining my two loves together, HR and coaching. Uh, and yeah. I really do, I really am enjoying it very much. And again, something that, you know, came came my way because because of you, because of you, because of seeing, you know, having the influence of great people in your space who just oh, inspire thank you, you. good things. I, and thank is, you. You are welcome. I you know what? <laughs> So I started this series on LinkedIn a couple a couple about six weeks ago called Make an Impact. Right. And the reason why I started it is because I am just tired. I was tired of hearing people say all the time, you know, people recognize that you're as good as your last good deed. Or people mm -hmm. only recognize you when you do something good every once in a while, but they don't really um, recognize you or appreciate you that way. And I started Make an Impact series because I wanted people to recognize, number one, HR is an amazing space to be in. This is a great time to be in HR and develop and grow yourself, your career in HR. It is one of those careers that you can look at and go, when I grow up, I really do want to be in HR as opposed to, what are you talking about? You don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a mm -hmm. teacher? Like, what was that? You know, I want people to have that same perception about it. And I thought, why not shine through the faces of people who I have had the pleasure of interacting with who have impacted my career, but I also know have made an impact on other people's career. And that's why I started um, Make an Impact series. I actually finished it Friday, gone was the last. Um, but I'm sure that your face was somewhere in those. In the I, I, I remember seeing it. I thank the you very much for that as well. And the reason why I did it, Madri, is because I think it's important for people to recognize that there are people, amazing people out there who are making an impact, making a difference in the spaces that they are in and that they need to be celebrated and elevated. And so 
I just did it because I felt like it was overdue. Mm-hmm. And people need to know that there are amazing people out there who are willing to help you develop and grow your career. Mm-hmm. And, and you have always support, been a support for me. And I've learned a lot from you. And I continue to learn to learn from you. And I, I just appreciate you so much. And I felt like it needed to be said and it needed to be known. We have to, too many times we suppress ourselves as women, as black women, mm-hmm. when we should be celebrating and elevating. And I'm just at the point where I'm like, I need to celebrate and elevate the people I know and appreciate them. I'm not gonna wait till people are dead to do it. And I'm not mm-hmm. gonna wait until, you know, something drastic happens for me to say, well, I appreciate this person, no. So I appreciate you now while you're alive. Right, and thank you very much. And I think, I agree with you that that is an important thing for us to do. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we know is in the Caribbean, and I know in Barbados, I should say, but I've seen it in other places in the Caribbean as well. We do not appreciate the the success, the good, the the big ideas, the novelty, the achievement that we really have in the Caribbean. We Mm -hmm. take it for granted, or sometimes we, we kind of denigrate it. We don't even look at it and assign any kind of value to it. No. And so one of the things, because one of the things that I've started working with recently is LinkedIn Local Caribbean. Yes. And so we have LinkedIn Local Barbados. And one of the things that we are committed to doing is really showcasing the excellence that we Mm -hmm. have in the islands Mm -hmm. and in the Caribbean. Yes. Because we are constantly uh, concerned, it seems, that we can't do something because we think nobody in the region is doing it. Yeah. We think it sounds far-fetched. Mm-hmm. And when you begin and you look around and you realize that there's so much accomplishment, there's so much achievement already yeah. here, mm-hmm. then it makes it easier for you to say, you know what, that idea I have, it might be a little bit crazy for me, yeah. but it's not necessarily impossible because look, somebody else has done it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, Thank you for the appreciation series. Oh, and, I, and it is definitely very useful and needed in the region. Yeah. And I think we all need to find different ways as best we can, however we can celebrate the achievements of the people of our region as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, nothing is going to stop me. I'm going to keep on. We're going to keep this moving. And HR Sound Off is one of those um, avenues that I'm also using as well. And so... Just gonna keep it moving forward. So for our audience, as yes. we start, as we wrap up uh, our discussion, tell us what you are reading, watching, listening to right now that you think other professionals could be reading and enjoying. Okay, all right. So <laughs> I'm always, you know, I, I, it's a little bit. I have to smile when you ask me that question because the problem with that is there's always more than one thing I'm reading. Mm-hmm. But the one, um, <laughs> but the one that I, I kind of stumbled into, there's a book, there are two of them that I'm really interested in. Uh-huh. There is one by Vishen Lakani. Mm-hmm. I cannot remember the name of the book, so I'll tell you how long ago I put it aside. Okay. But I, I liked it. He's actually the CEO of Mind Valley. So anyone can look it up and okay. you'll be able to find his book. He has a new one that he's put out recently about the Buddha. But I think it's called The Extraordinary Mind. That's the one that I'm reading, that I started reading. And so I am I'm very interested in that. One okay. of my all-time books is The Alchemist, and yeah. I started rereading that. The Code of and the Extraordinary Mind. Okay, there you go. All right. Yes. That was quick, Julie. Well, Got it. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but the most recent one, which made me put aside so many others, is okay. the book by um, Lisa Nichols. Oh. Where she is, she's telling her story. She's telling the story of what took her, what she did to move from where she was in her life to where she is now, now. as the first black woman to take her company public, as she mm-hmm. has said so often. Yeah. And so she tells her story and that's what I am I'm listening to because, you know, I like me some Lisa Nichols. I love me some Lisa Nichols. <laughs> I liked I, her yeah. from way back when she, uh-huh. she was a part of the team talking about the secret. Yeah, and then I, I I see her videos on YouTube all the time, so I'm listening yes. to her on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so I I would suggest that anybody who's interested can go yeah. look her videos up. She's Lisa definitely worth the effort. Oh. And and in addition to that, then I would also suggest the Mind Valley. 
Mm-hmm. Because the Mind Valley, they they have a series of videos on different topics. Right, so they're about self development. Mm-hmm. They're about um, how you want to raise your children, how yeah. you organize your life. They talk mm-hmm. about health. They talk about fitness. So I would suggest that anyone else can go look up those things. I think it's useful information for the definitely. When we release this episode, I will make sure to have those links for those books in the bottom of the comments so that um, our, our audience can partake of that information that you've shared with us. I'm glad to hear that. Thank <laughs> you for that. So last but not least, yeah. what is the one misconception about HR that really bothers you that you'd like to set the record straight on? Well, this, this one, <laughs> this <laughs> I know the problem is that you're asking me for one. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. Here's one. This one, this one just popped to mind for me. I was at the Hermab AGM last year, uh-huh. and someone said to me he wanted to get into HR. I said, "Oh, that's great." He says, "Yeah, he wants to get into HR because he likes dealing with people." I went, "All right, no, no, that's two different things." <laughs> so. The big misconception that I think people have with HR and HR professionals Uh is that HR is about being nice and that HR professionals are about friendliness and and about being friendly to people. Yeah, airy-fairy, you know? You have your problem, you know, you go talk to HR. You need a lift lift up, a smile, go talk to HR. I'm like, listen, brother. Most often than not, more often than not, when people come to you in HR with their issues, they're not coming to you when they're their best selves. <laughs> they're no, coming no, to you no. when they're annoyed, they're frustrated and upset. So if you're going because you like people, you're about to get a rude awakening. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can go because you want to help people. You mm-hmm. can go because you want to develop, help develop people. Mm-hmm. You want to advise, guide, any of those things. But don't go just because you like people, because it's no. not it, it's not it's not Mr. Geniality, it's not Mr. Congeniality. No. It's not you going in there smiling sweetly. Yeah. I so I, I talked to him then about some of the skills he needed uh-huh. to consider, some of the things you should do. I suggested to him that because um, I think he was considering whether or not he was going to join the association. Right. Um, I know they had their mentoring program at the time, so I told yeah. him that that was an idea. He could go in and see what it's like right. in order mm-hmm. to make that decision. And mm-hmm. the reason why I remember that one is because he's not the first person I've had to have that conversation. So many people. I know. <laughs> So like, many people. What, what is liking people? If you like people, then go 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 greet people at the door. Go become a hostess so you mm-hmm. can smile sweetly at people. And even that, I'm sure, is trying. Because when people are upset that they have to wait too long, you'll yeah. see how much you really like, like people. people. Yeah. But I think that's the misconception that um, people think that HR and mm-hmm. dealing with HR is just about being nice and sweet and friendly and smiling. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that there's a lot more to it. It's a technical thing. There's a profession behind it. Yeah. There's qualifications. And there are times when you are not the nice guy. Because you're More the one who has not. to do... Yeah, you're the one who has to bring some people to a Christian understanding. <laughs> I love how you put that. I can see myself sometimes down the road using that as a quote. <laughs> Let me bring you to a Christian understanding, my friend. <laughs> love it. Oh, Marjorie, thank you so much for being you here. You are welcome. You have um, enjoyed your time with me in the sound booth today, and it has been an absolute pleasure to have you. Can it's you tell the beautiful people listening to this podcast where they can find you on social media? Well, you can find me on Instagram, Marjorie Wharton, on LinkedIn, Marjorie Wharton, on, well, I would say on Twitter, but I don't really do much on Twitter. Yeah. And on Facebook, Marjorie Wharton. And I know I need I need to fix that, but I I, I don't. Um, I find that I, I put most of my effort, energy, I put most of my posts, most of the things that I'm sharing, I put mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. so on LinkedIn, it's Marjorie Wharton. And there's also a, a page for the company, Breakthrough yeah. Performance Coaching. So yeah. if you follow those two things, my profile or the page, or you can reach out to me via messaging or marjorie at btpcoaching.com. 
Okay. That's how you'll get in touch with me. All righty. <laughs> and with that, I thank you so much again. And My pleasure. Lovely having you here. And a pleasure being here. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.